This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Liki. Hi, I'm Christina. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Olabanji. And today we have a very interesting topic. We'll be talking about sufficiency. I mean, what, what comes to mind when you think about sufficiency? More like what's enough, what's not enough. But we have leaking, you know, today to do justice to that or at least give us some insight into what sufficiency is. So, Liki, you want to tell us what we don't know or, you know, tell us something about sufficiency? Yeah, maybe I could start by sharing the fact that I attended the first sufficiency summit a couple of weeks ago in Paris, and it was organized by a university in Paris and together with another university in Australia on Zoom. Don't worry, no, nobody took a plane to fly to. But it was a very important topic because it was organized by two universities. And uh, one thing that really caught my attention is that the summit started with this statement that says that by 2050, sufficiency has the potential to reduce emissions compared to current policy scenarios by more than 50% in almost all sectors. And that is a lot. Wow. Yeah, I was waiting for your usual wow. <laughs> yeah, well, strangely enough, uh, sufficiency has been defined only in the last IPCC report. You know, the IPCC report is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And um, the definition is that sufficiency is a set of measures and daily practices that avoid demand for energy, material, land, and water, while ensuring human well-being for all within planetary boundaries. And this is very important because um, the set of measure and daily practices means that it's about policies that will trigger individual action and daily practices. Um, you, know, you can think of, okay, I'm using sufficiency, and so I'm doing not too much, but if there's no policies, it will be very difficult to do it at scale. And then the second thing is that, you know, it emphasizes on the fact that it avoids demand for energy, material, and land. And it's about all resources, not only climate change, but not only carbon and fossil fuels. It's about all resources. And it also tackles demand. And that is very important. And then it also focuses on ensuring human well-being for all. And so it stresses on social justice because it's about making sure that everyone's well-being is taken into account and not just a few. And also within planetary boundaries. And so this means that it's looking at the planet as a whole 
and acknowledging that we live in a world with finite resources. So that is a very important definition, I think. Can I ask a question? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a very big concept, but what does that look like in practical terms? Is it just everyone only uses as much as they need? Or is it, is, are, is there regulation around it? Or how does this work? Well, actually, um, it's a concept that has been used and implemented in France. And actually, France is the only country in the EU that has considered uh, energy sufficiency in its decarbonization strategy. So it means that in the law, um, there's rules for building renovation and retrofitting. Um, there's also, because you know, when you have buildings that are uh, more energy efficient, you, know, you uh, curb the demand for resources. And also there are policies for clean transport development. So um, it means that you have a countrywide uh, program to move to electric cars and charging stations and also uh, you know, incentive to, uh, for car sharing and, um, and public sh transportation system everywhere. Um, it's also uh, reducing waste. In France, it's a big, big program to reduce waste. So this is... Um, those are not like simple things that you can do on your own. Um, it's, I guess it's something that is bold in doing this kind of strategies uh, at scale. Wow. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. Thank you. It's... But I guess you know, those are the things that we can think of. But I think the idea of, of talking about sufficiency and having sufficiency policies, it means that you know, it's something that is important and it is tackled at the national level. Wow, that's interesting. So if, if we were to, and I mean, if, if we were to related to um, efficiency policies, like to describe sufficiency in maybe another term, it might be something wide efficiency policies. Um, would that be correct? Um, I think, and I'm not a specialist, okay? I just, you know, I'm mm -hmm. just, I've just discovered this concept a, a couple of weeks ago, but I think that the main difference between efficiency and sufficiency is that um, sufficiency aims at uh, reducing the demand for energy, where efficiency focuses on, okay, um, we have this thing and we try to make it a little bit mm. better where sufficiency is really thinking of, okay, how we, can we design yeah. a better system? How can we design a better economy that does not only focus on, you know, on certain um, mm. economic parameters, but on human well-being? That's, that's really interesting. This is my understanding. I don't know. Yeah. Christina, you want to you wanna chime in? Yeah, I have a question. When they talked about the sufficiency, did they also talk about the differences between people being sufficient and the companies and governments, the differences between those two, and also differences between countries, uh, like uh, where in, let's say, in the U.S., I just traveled between Europe and U.S., and I could see how different people live and how much they consume in the U.S. compared to Czech Republic. Mm. Uh, and so I was wondering if they were 
going into details like that? Um, okay, um, I think it's a, you know, the idea is just, you know, it's just germinating. This is the first international summit on sufficiency that I attended. And I think that not a lot of people are aware of this concept. And uh, so I think it will be quite difficult for, like, you know, Europe, say, uh, to control over what's happening in the States. Because, um, you know, as, um, as I suggested before, is that, you know, if for these strategies, for these measures to be effective, it needs to be uh, implemented at policy level. And there's no way for, I mean, there's no, there, of course, there's diplomacy and negotiation and all that, but it's very difficult for Europe to say, okay, we're doing this and then, and therefore you have to do it the same way. And to answer your first question, you know, is it on individuals or on uh, or companies? It's a very interesting question um, because in France, we have been using this policy, especially over the winter when we were uh, forecasting, um, you know, um, energy shortage because of the war in Ukraine. Well, actually, I remember there was the Minister of Economy appearing on television uh, wearing your know, turtleneck sweater and saying, oh, well, you should limit the, the heating indoor and, um, and uh, switch off your, your equipment when you don't use it at night. And it made people laugh because, uh, again, you know, he was telling people and uh, referring again to individual action, whereas, as you know, you know, probably individual action is good, but it's not enough. Well, at the same time, there were also measures like, you know, oh, well, businesses need to switch off the light when, um, when the business is not operating. And uh, that was uh, something that has not been enforced uh, properly, I'm afraid. So, yeah, it has to be implemented at all level, I think. And that's interesting. So, I mean, you've been in France and we, we only know France to be the country that is uh, most involved with or making good efforts to try to, to, do, um, to do this. How does it feel being in France and seeing some of these policies implemented? Are people like, hey, 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 guys, what are you doing to us? I mean, what's going on? Why, why do we have to do this? Or like, what has been the response of people to, uh, to, to these policies and some of these measures that have been put in place? Um, I think the response has been mixed because um, somehow it's kind of common sense to, you know, to, to turn off the heating and switch off the, your appliances when you don't use them. Um, so there's this, there's the other thing is that there's, um, there's a big resentment because, um, people, individuals feels against, you know, there's that uh, we are again asking people to, to make another effort, you know, whereas this, I guess there's this big thing in France, mm. uh, this big debate. Yeah. Well, making a lot of. As individual, we're making already a lot of efforts to help the economy, help the environment, yeah. and um, and we need more. But I think that um, this kind of uh, reaction, it's justified because, uh, yes, businesses also need to think of sufficiency. And that, I think, it's great because um, because it's a change of mindset, mm -hmm. you know, instead of of thinking, okay, we need to sell more, more, more and an increased demand. What can we do? 
And I think this is, um, this, uh, it opens the door to a lot of opportunities. Like, you know, uh, instead of thinking of uh, planetary boundaries mm. as limits, what about if we think about it as guidelines wow. for growth? You know, and what we, the business, if we think of planetary boundaries as guidelines for growth, and that's, you know, that's why we're having this conversation because I would love to hear, you know, from you. Wow. I think that is a mind blowing, like seeing a thing because I was reading a book this week and it was talking about constraints and the book was saying like, when you place constraints, then you can get creative about more ways to achieve the same goals or even better. And I mean, he was describing that most businesses can survive with about half of the money that they spend on expenses. But they don't know that yet until that's all they have. Um, and it's really interesting to think about it that way. Like, like the planetary boundaries are not to stop us from doing exploits. Perhaps it's a welcome to a better way of doing things and, you know, being able to do more and do differently and do better um, for the business as, as well as for the environment. Oh, it's quite interesting. I think that Think about this because when a lot more um, government institutions and governments in different countries, when they start to like consider things this way, it, it, it puts like there is no, I mean, it doesn't take away people's choices, but like it just helps to get things done in a systemic fashion or a systemic way. Um, and that can have a very huge impact. Yeah. So it's, I, I mean, I start saying, uh, um, chef, uh, designing recipes with food scrap. You know what? What can you do instead of throwing away the 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 food scrap? You know, yeah. instead of turning it into waste, what can we do? And they are starting to develop new recipes, and I think this is great. Yeah, I I found a chef in Nigeria today that made things out of the like the local food like the local foods and spices he made ice cream out of there's a thing we call melon it's it, it probably is not it's not the melon that you know but it's a tiny seed we use it to make soups in nigeria and he made ice cream with it and it was just mind-blowing like nobody would ever think that you can make ice cream out of that it's like saying you make soup with biscuits in that way and People is like, no, you don't make soup with biscuits. But he just he just found a way to do like to disrupt the food. People went there and they were they were so over I mean, it was so much joy. They enjoyed the food. It was I was like, wow, that's like beautiful. We're really creative. Yeah. Because there's a shift of mindset, you know. He shifted his mindset and think, okay, instead of throwing this away, what can I do? Yeah. How can I turn it into something beautiful and and yummy. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of questions. One of them was to do with the, the sort of the, the genesis of this whole idea, like how long did it take and where did it come from if other countries are to replicate, replicate the journey? Where did, where did it start, if you know the history of it at all? And then the second question has to do with competition and you know, you, you've got this mindset in some places of bigger is better and more is better. And 
you know, fancier is better. And I really like the idea of, you know, if you, if you have to get creative, we, like you say, we are amazing creatures. We can create, we can, you know, um, uh, what do they say? Is it, is it scarcity is the mother of invention or something? Necessity. Necessity. Thank you. It's the mother of invention. So, you know, there, there are things that we can do that are amazing if we think about it. But where does competition, the traditional competition, fit into that? Those are my two big questions. Well, okay. Uh, again, uh, as I said, I just got to learn about the concept a couple of weeks ago uh, because I attended this, the first conference and I've been researching the topic. And um, mm. it's been defined in the IPCC report in the last one in 2022 when they were looking at mitigation solutions. And um, actually, there was an obvious mitigation strategy. But then the author of one of the lead author of this report realized that there's no definition. So just think of how recent this concept is. And um, I think that she has been playing with this concept for since I mean, I, because I've been researching, mm. so I found a paper, um, a scientific paper that she wrote in 2019, uh, and um, and um, based on some research from like end of 2000, 2000 something like early 2010, something like that. So it's a very very recent concept, and um, the idea is it's in germination, I think, but nevertheless, the France has been using it as a guideline to develop this it's the carbonation strategy since 2015 so i think that you know people have been thinking about this concept for in some circle but has not really put a, a the finger on it reason being is that um people are afraid governments are afraid that if we think of sufficiency it will reduce the demand Therefore, we will reduce the growth of countries. And this is, I think, this is one of the reasons this something has been avoided. Then, okay, uh, how is it for competition? Then again, I'm not a specialist on this topic, but I just see that it will be tough. It will be really, really tough because um, it depends on the mindset. I think that proponent of sufficiency they believe that if we live in a uh, in an environment in an economy that relies on sufficiency we will be more resilient and this is actually the problem that we had in the past couple of years because of the war in ukraine because of um because of um, of covid i don't know about you but in europe we had a lot of shortages on different things not a lot, but people were afraid of the shortage. So there is this fear of, okay, well, maybe in the past 10 or 20 years, because we've been, we've been focusing on growth, mm. maybe things that we have, our strategies were not, our industrial strategy was not that good. So yeah, I think the proponent of this strategy, they, they are focused on resiliency. And again, I'm not an economist, really. Um, and um I don't know. There are other things that, how do you value people's well-being? This doesn't go into mm. growth um, in, in, the, in wow. the calculation of a country growth. Uh, 
So there are other things that are not uh, valued in in today's economy. And uh, so how does it play out with competition? I don't know, but I think that there are, there are things that um, need to be assessed and evaluated and how do we value it? That's difficult, I guess. I believe. Christina, you, you have an example you want to share? Yeah, I just wanted to share something. Uh, I started a while ago, uh, instead of using water from the faucet, I went through uh, to a spring and uh, filled up a few bottles of, uh, uh, for the usage at home. And uh, I was thinking about this creative and instead of being a burden, having this opportunity because that made me get out of out of the house away from the computer and walk in the woods i exercised i got some fresh air and uh, then also i got water which was not chemically treated and uh, it was delicious and on top of that i was aware how much water I'm using for drinking and cooking. And and it's not that much. If uh, I didn't let it run out of uh, from the faucet, I realized I'm using much less water by doing this, uh, bringing the spring water into the house instead of just using the water from the faucet. So I was thinking that's definitely when I started doing it, it was not a burden and it was fun and it was uh, creative. So I feel we can look at it from different point of view. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just think of you, you doing it and your neighbors are doing it and everyone in your town does it and maybe in your, in your state and uh, then in the country, wouldn't it be that beautiful? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. If it's in yeah, everybody does it, how how it would look at the spring, but uh, yeah, I I think and just that awareness I feel created me going for the water created awareness how much water I'm using, and I started turning off the faucet much more and thinking about when I'm washing dishes or uh, things like that that it's really the awareness, I feel it's the most important, not as much doing the same thing or bringing everybody getting the water. Yeah. I was listening to a um, podcast on urban farming recently, and they were talking about self-sufficiency. <laughs> and, um, and Victory Gardens, Yeah, which after World War II, I guess, or during World War II, people were encouraged to have gardens because the farmers, the people who were able to farm, were actually off fighting war. So people were encouraged to grow their own food in their own homes um, or patios or decks or wherever. And they were talking about what if everyone, you know, could do something like that in some way. And if you had a, a home garden and someone didn't live in a place where you could garden, you shared what you had, if you had too much. And, you know, what would that do to our our food situation? Yeah, this is um, 
this, you know, this, there's so much we can do. Uh, like, you know, um, you can get food because, um, you know, think, rethinking of the food system is a big sufficiency concept. Because instead of getting food like strawberries from, I don't know what you can get strawberries, uh, maybe from Chile in winter, but we can get strawberry in France um, from South Africa in the winter for Christmas, which is crazy. Um, but we don't need to have, uh, to have uh, strawberries for Christmas. That's stupid. <laughs> I agree. We just don't buy them except from the farm in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So when you, you know, when you think of sufficiency, you, you really need to rethink of the food system where it's produced. And then when, it, when it's produced locally, you save on, on, on transportation and all the emissions uh, and uh, demand for energy. And so it's beneficial at several levels, but it just, for some reason, <laughs> I think we've gone a little bit crazy and want everything, everything from everywhere, anytime, you know, that is, um, I think that requires a big shift, uh, of mindset and, um, and, um, and society as a whole. In olden days, they, uh, uh, created fairy tales about exactly the seasonal eating and non-seasonal eating. There is a fairy tale about a family where mean mother and stepsister sends uh, the good sister uh, and kind sister in the middle of the winter for strawberries. And how absurd it is, showing it how absurd it is. And then... Uh, uh, the mean sister goes out and uh, the magic does not help her. Uh, so uh, they already have been talking about in season, out of season, uh, how it's important to uh, be aware. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that it's, you know, the, the concept, all the concept underlying sufficiency, there's nothing really new about all that. It just, being aware of it and being aware that we need to maybe go back to olden days and then and maybe you know think of uh, what has worked before and maybe it was some not everything was good before but some of of the ways of living have been were good and so i think the new thing, um, the I don't know if the innovation, but it's the realization, the awareness of that. Instead of thinking, okay, we want more, we want faster. Okay, what is sufficient? What is enough? And that's the tough question. It's a I good think. question. <laughs> it's a good question to think about and to uh, to ponder. Yeah, let's ponder this question. Because I don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and I think it's important to play and create and uh, that will move us forward and have fun with it. Okay. So thank you. Thank you for this conversation and thank you for your questions. That just uh, I don't have the answers, but I did my best to address your question. And thank you for bringing the topic. It was a great one. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, 
a podcast with Carbon Conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.